Welcome to the Green Zone Podcast, the show that teaches oil and gas executives how to take command of their finances and live in the green. Your host, Jeff Green, from Green Financial Group, will be your financial guide, all while giving you a tour of the most beloved and best-kept secret spots around Houston, Texas. Now, on to the show. This is one of two episodes where Jeff Green and Lauren Smith focus on giving. Giving comes in many forms. It can be time, talent, treasure, but most importantly, it comes from the heart. This time around, they talk with Kendall Pace Monroe, Chief Advancement Officer for the Kidney Cancer Association. But Jeff, as you're going to tell us, Kendall is involved in so much more. There's no doubt about that. And this is the time of giving. And I want to say I give a lot. I think I gave Lauren a headache this morning. You did. You give me a headache every day. So you're constantly giving. Well, I, I like to give like that. But there's other ways to give. And we have with us today, Kendall Pace Monroe. And you ain't lying, Patrice. She is involved in a lot of things. But Kendall, let's talk about the charity that you work at right now, this nonprofit, the bigger organization, the nonprofit that you work at right now. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So it is the Kidney Cancer Association. So feel free to check us out, kidneycancer.org. And we are kidneycancer.org. Exactly. All right. So if you're listening, by the way, if you're listening, we're going to have all these. All, all this the, will be out on the, the show notes yeah. on the website. Don't, so. don't be driving and trying to take notes. Yeah. Well, it's just go to the <laughs> website later. Okay, go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. No, that's great. So we are a global organization. We have staff all across the country. And our focus is on kidney cancer education, cancer research, patient empowerment. So we do a bunch of different things. We do things like this year we funded $1.37 million in cancer research. We are launching a data federation that will really be transformative for gathering data and noticing trends to better advance treatment. We do patient resources and advocacy. So it's really a large scale and large vision organization. And it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. We've grown a lot in the past three years with a new CEO. Uh, We've been at Brown for 30 years. So it's big, large scale, large vision organization. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And so you work there. Right. So, so that's, that's the nine to five. That's the nine to five, helping people at the <laughs> yeah. nine to five. Yeah. But there's this other little thing that you do. There's, I mean, something that you founded on your own. I think something that's kind of near and dear to your heart. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. So I am the co founder of an organization here in Houston. It is called The Way Home Adoption. And so this is the grassroots social services organization that really became my passion project. And we serve youth ages. 11 to 17 that are in foster care. And our goal is to get them adopted before they emancipate, which just means to age out of foster care. So what's that age, Kendall? What is that age? So technically it is 18, but there is something that you can apply for called long-term foster care, which is you can be in it a little bit longer until you graduate from high school. Of course, long-term foster care doesn't make any sense. There is nothing long-term about it. So we did research, my co-founder and I, Ashley, did research when we met at a social services agency and said, how can we fix this? And really, the solution was adoption. And so we have a social justice type of recruitment for families. And so we say you don't adopt a child 11 to 17 because not very many people wake up in the morning and really want their own teenagers, let alone somebody else's. But We say this is an opportunity for you to really give back to the community and our kids are resilient and they are funny 
and there's just really incredible youth that are longing for a home. And these kids are in our communities, they're in your churches, they go to your kids' schools. So we go into these communities where our kids are living. We try to tell their stories as many places as possible to see if it will resonate with anyone to say, I could be a home, not just for any child, but for Johnny. I see a picture of Johnny. I see what type of family he would thrive in, and that family is mine. So you're finding, you're matching parents with foster foster kids. Yeah, exactly. That's we kind awesome. of laugh and say that we are like a cold case unit meets a match.com. So <laughs> That's we awesome. take kids <laughs> that That's have good. been in care the longest and try to find them permanent homes. So there's a, we have a full staff that does all the heavy lifting and it's been really fun to be part of. That's, That's awesome. How, how many kids a year are you placing? So it depends on the year. This next year, we'll serve about 60 youth. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's something to be really proud of. That really is. Well, thank you. If anyone listening is thinking, I want to adopt a youth, you know, check out the link for that. That will be posted too, I'm sure. But yeah, the way you have, that on there. have anybody that adopt like a 53 year old guy? I need somebody to adopt me. That's why I take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have. Can you start that organization? <laughs> We have heard somebody call us that was 24 and said, I know that I'm technically too old, but I still long for a family of my own. Oh. So oh. that's definitely true. People at all ages are longing for families yeah. of their own. That's awesome. So you really are, I mean, you're the expert working with a big organization and then a smaller one that you co-founded. You really are the expert, in my opinion, on all things, charitable giving, nonprofits. I struggle with how to even figure out who to donate to, you know, if I'm going to donate to someone, how do I even know what my money's going towards? Is my money going to go pay a CEO? Is my money going to go fund a jet or is my money actually going to the cause the, that the I'm foster yeah. kids? Or, is there yeah. a way that you recommend people kind of evaluate when they're considering gifting and charitable giving? Yes. I mean, that's a great question. I think there's kind of two different ways to look at this. And the first is when people say, you know, I want to make a gift, where should I give? The answer might be in front of you. There are people who want to support the local community that they're already part of. So those people usually aren't as interested in kind of digging deeper to see what is my dollar going towards because they already know the people. Giving to people directly, people give to people. So whether it's you're giving to your local congregation, you already know the people there. You know if your pastor is driving a jet. Yeah. <laughs> or you know your neighbor is the caseworker of this organization or is the scientist that is doing the cancer research. So you're more donating to help them further the cause that they're passionate about rather than nitpicking on where every dollar is going to go. Exactly. Exactly. But then, of sense. course, there are times that something pops up and you don't know how and where and the best way, the best strategy to give. I think we saw this really recently following the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and all of the events that unfolded after that, where we really had an unprecedented interest from our community at large about how to help. And people were recommending on social media, this organization and that organization. And it really felt overwhelming for those of us that didn't have that direct connection, that didn't have the neighbor or the friend, or we were not already givers to an organization that was doing this work. And we didn't know where to give. 
And that is when I really challenge donors that it is our responsibility to do this work, to find out what is the best charity to give to. And it doesn't necessarily mean the best is like what my dollar is going to benefit that I want it to benefit, right? It means that you want the organization to be set up for these types of gifts. There are organizations that had never received the type of mass giving that they were receiving after people started posting about their work. You know, there were two people on staff doing this work and it was really, really important work, but overwhelming them with donations, they were not, they did not have the scalability to start doing what you thought you were giving towards. Yeah. So I think it's important at that time to look to see if there is a structure of the organization that really matches what you're trying to accomplish. And Kendall, you're a certified charitable planner. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what that means is for our listeners. A charitable financial planner. A ch- I'm sorry. Ch- what did I say? Did I say certified? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cer- I'm a certified charitable. Yeah. They're all, there's so many initials, right? You know, I don't so know. It's an acronym. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get it out. So tell us what it is. I'll just, I'll just be quiet and let you talk because you're, you're doing better than me. Tell us what that sure. is. So it's a certified charitable financial planner. So basically what that means is that I get to help people give money in the way that helps others and is also advantageous to them. So there's a bunch of different giving vehicles that people can give to that have a lot of tax implications. And yeah. I get to work with advisors like you, nonprofits. Um, obviously, at the KCA, at the Kidney Cancer Association, I get to work directly with donors to help them come up with ways that they can best give that make sense to them. So you can take a look at somebody's financial situation in conjunction with their financial planner and kind of look at their situation and then come up with creative ways that they can donate to the nonprofits or charities of their choice and maybe help benefit them a little bit on the tax front. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, that's powerful. I yeah, think that's, that's very, great. very powerful. I mean, well, we do that with our clients. Uh, we, yeah, qualified distributions. They're qualified charitable distributions with your RMDs and donor advised funds. There's some different types of annuity options that are out there. And then, but Kendall probably comes up with a lot more creative things than we do. Oh, I'm sure she does. Well, I mean, big props to you guys for even dipping your toe into this and asking other people for the best ways to do this. It's kind of alarming when I work with attorneys or financial planners that don't know about charitable gift annuities or don't know about a qualified charitable distribution from your IRA. And I say to donors, if your attorney, your estate planning attorney or your financial planner doesn't know about these, then it may be time to find a new attorney or a new financial planner, because you could be accomplishing two things, one, saving money, and two, accomplishing the impact that you want to make on this world. Yeah. Big red flag. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. (laughs) I mean, because who who knows what else they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So tell us, Kendall, is there anything, so if, when we're looking at charitable organizations to give to, is there anything, what is this form 990 that I, I hear of? What is that about? Sure. So a 990 really is just the IRS form that nonprofits, it's the nonprofit tax form. So it's the only or one of the only main sources of information. It's public, available to anyone. And it's what nonprofits must do annually to keep their tax exempt nonprofit status. So it's how we show that we are operating for a collective public or social benefit. And it has a lot of information on there that can be really overwhelming. 
And so I think a lot of times donors just say like, oh, that's 32 pages of numbers. Yeah. I don't Not know how to look that. at that. <laughs> exactly. But it really is accessible once you start kind of knowing what you're looking for. What are the important things to really pay attention to? Yeah, is there, one, is there one or two things that you could get to our listeners to focus on? Sure. Yeah. So first and foremost, these are public documents. If they are not on an organization's website, you can request them and they have to give it to you. So a lot of times they are directly on their website. GuideStar, there's a 990 Finder, Foundation Directory, Quick Start. These are all ways that you can access a organization's 990. So it is accessible to you. You might just have to do a little digging, but it is accessible. But a couple things I would look for. One is I would look at their assets. So the the actual number of assets, I mean, it will definitely tell you the size of the organization, which is important, especially for giving a large gift. You may not want to give a gift that is the entire size of the organization's assets, or maybe you do. Maybe you say, I want to double this organization's impact, and so I'm going to match what their assets are. But I would really look to see if their assets are decreasing or increasing every year. If you can look at an organization's last three to five 990s publicly, and if you see those assets decreasing year after year, it may indicate a non-sustainable organization. Yeah, that's a great point. So I would look at it, and this is just my idiotic way of looking at it, but if, if their assets are decreasing, I would think my immediate thought would go, well, maybe they're giving it out to who the, the people they're supposed to be benefiting, correct? But that's not really yeah. the case. Well, it is the case. It's absolutely the case. But you don't want them to not be able to sustain the work that they're doing. So it's just something, one of the factors. But then you could go in and it does note the total expenditures and total expenses. So this will include any operating costs. It will include what exactly, what programs or initiatives they're giving to and how much they gave to each of those. And then it will include the salaries of the expenses that are spent in salaries of the top employees, including the CEO. I do want to just give a little just playing devil's advocate because I think that a lot of people use 990s just to look at a CEO's salary. And I think that is important. We should know exactly what our dollar is going to. However, I do think there's a balance. I mean, a lower salary is not always a good thing. If you see everyone that's listed that's making a very low salary, this might not be their full-time job. Or it might not be their passion to really it might not help be that their organization. Passion. Exactly. And, you know, you wouldn't choose a brain surgeon or an attorney that is lowest salary. That's not how you choose that. Exactly. So if you want, there's that's a how they choose. sure. That's how they bid out to build the space shuttle. Do you know that? It's the lowest cost. No. I don't know if you know yeah, that. Exactly. I what a great tidbit of the I day. Just, just thought but so back to what we're talking about. <laughs> if you are looking at salaries, though, I mean, I guess it'd be important to say they've got this much in assets, but 90% of it is getting paid out in salaries. Then you know that exactly. maybe your money that you're donating is going to the leadership and is not really being distributed to the cause that you're trying exactly. to get money to. Exactly. Absolutely. So while you want your CEOs and your leadership to be competent and to be the board of directors at nonprofits are the ones that are responsible for doing their due diligence. And they have to look at comps of other nonprofits to come up with the salary for the leadership. Um, Don't become too fixated on that, that you kind of miss the bigger picture of the 990. I think what you said is exactly right. 
you can tell how much of this is going towards the cancer research or the caseworkers that are doing the actual work of the organization or for your church, how much is going towards missions or to children education. So use it more for that to get a better picture of what the organization is. There was a nonprofit that kind of went viral a few months ago and did a large campaign for human trafficking and child human trafficking. And if you looked at their 990 and it said their outcome, their outcome was one human trafficking, one child, and they weren't even under the age of 18. So while was saved through all the efforts, is that exactly with millions and millions of dollars. And while of course, one child's life is very important. Marketing doesn't always tell you the full picture. So I think that's really what is the most important. If you are giving to a foundation that then distributes grants on their 990, they will list out everybody that they've given to. So you can look to see are are the people that are receiving grants, the organizations that are receiving grants from this foundation, do they align with my philanthropic priorities? That's really interesting. Do all the 990s have to list the outcomes? So, you know, if you're doing a chair, like where you're setting the foster kids up for adoption, Mm -hmm. do do you list Mm -hmm. out each year? We found homes for 60 kids this year. Yes. So you have to list, I guess there's not like a box that says how many you saved or what exactly you did, but there is an area where you describe each of your programs. And if a 990 is describing a program, but doesn't give any outcome in that program, the 990 is a recap for the last fiscal year. So they are summarizing what was accomplished in the last fiscal year. So that's where you would see it. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, this is the time for giving. I think we all need to give back to some degree. So tell us again, if the folks, listeners out there, how do they get in touch with your organization? Both of them. Sure. So you can, for kidney cancer, if you are passionate about transforming cancer care, visit kidneycancer, K-I-D-N-E-Y, cancer.org. And if you are passionate about Houston's foster youth and finding homes for them, then visit us at thewayhomeadoption.org. Thewayhomeadoption.org. Love it. Kendall, thank you so much for being on. It's great. Great having you. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much. This was great. And thank you, Kendall. Those were great insights on how to research before you do give. Again, thank you, Kendall. Thank you, Jeff and Lauren. And to make sure you know when the latest Green Zone is available, Follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Green Zone podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Green Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Green Financial Group is not a registered broker or dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Jeff Green is the founder of Green Financial Group and is a registered principal of RJFS. The Green Financial Group is located at 6363 Woodway Drive, Suite 625, Houston, Texas, 77057, and can be reached at 713 
Raymond James is not affiliated with and does not endorse the opinions or services of his guests.